This time on episode 496 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 2024 Disney Plus show, Echo, season one, episode one. I'm Anthony Sitko from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other stupendously geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Raised on X-Men, empowered by the Avengers, strengthened by the Defenders, webbed by Spider-Man, adopted by the Fantastic Four, and forged by S.H.I.E.L.D. Stand by for your Marvel debriefing. And now it's time for your Marvel debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. road to our 500th episode. The show is recorded on Saturday, January 25th, 2024, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast mid-continental United States-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And we're going to be starting our discussion on the Echo series, which premiered on Disney Plus this past month. And let's just originally go into how we watched it. So, Lauren, how'd you watch this one? I only watched this first episode. I'll be watching the second episode next week. All right, Michelle. I binged it in chunks. All right, Chris. I made the decision a long time ago to just watch the episode that we're going to be talking about, and you'll hear my thoughts on that later. Yeah, but how did you watch it? Was it on the couch? Was it on the love seat? Were you on the floor? Were you in bed? In the bathroom? Where'd you watch this it? One, this one was on the couch. We were eating dinner, and I had my little crappy computer with me so I could take notes while we were watching. All right. I binged it in three chunks as well, and then I went back. And I will rewatch this episode. I will say it has benefited me by watching the series and being able to go back to the first episode. We'll talk more about that later. So, Michelle, as we get into the first episode, because we're going to take this one episode at a time, what happened? Chaffa, premiere January 9th, 2024. Young Maya Lopez leaves her hometown of Tomaha, Oklahoma, following her mother's death and moves up to New York City where Wilskin Fisk raises her to be a ruthless assassin. Upon learning Fisk had her father killed, Maya shoots him and flees. This is the point where we're going to give overall thoughts since not all of us have seen the whole series. We're going to limit it to this particular episode. Lauren, what'd you think? I thought it was a really strong way to have the intro to the character, plus the recap of, hey, this is where you've seen the character before. This is her motivation. And I think it did a pretty good job of setting what we can probably expect for the tone for the rest of the series. Again, I thought that this was a really great way to get into a relatively unknown character. You know, forget about how long she's actually been around. It's been long enough to where people should know about her. But if you're not really into the comics side of things, or you haven't been picking up the current or recent Daredevil and Echo miniseries, then you probably don't know much. And this is a great way for us to get the real quick. Okay. You actually do know her. This is why. I thought it was a good way to weave backstory from different shows to form the start of a new show. 
the visualizations, particularly in the beginning of the premiere, really captivated me. Like, oh, this is not what I was expecting whatsoever. And it really brought out the echoes throughout the past and the, the, just the whole intro, as you guys were talking about. And Graham Green, that was my hook into this whole thing. For those that don't know, Graham Green's been around for quite some time, but I did cover him for three years over on Voices of Defiance because he played over in Defiance, in which he got to be in a hot tub with a very scantily clad Jamie Murray. And he talks about that from time to time. He's very classy about it, but uh, was not something that he expected to be like a sex symbol in there with Jamie Murray. All right, we're going to talk about that intro. We're going we're gonna to talk about how the basically previously on because we are combining a bunch of marvel properties in here and there are some consequences to that yeah we have a lot of you know if you haven't watched hawkeye then you're not really too sure why jeremy renner is there if you aren't sure about daredevil and wilson fisk if you haven't watched that then you don't really know who they are yet it's an interesting thing if you started randomly watching a Marvel property, like for if you just decided, oh, I'll watch this Echo show because it was um, advertised also over on Hulu and not just Disney Plus. So if you're just a random Hulu person and you all of a sudden was like, what's this Echo thing? And it would be interesting if that was your first entry point because I think it did a good job of weaving everything in there and setting things up. But there are just a little pieces of it where you're just like, huh, I wonder where that came from. You have intertwines of Wilson Fisk himself. You had Jeremy Renner in there and the whole Hawkeye motif going on there you had daredevil in there there's a lot i think in order to really get the details behind episode one you have to watch infinity war Endgame, daredevil and hawkeye at a minimum i'm thinking and possibly some more but those are the four things that i think you need to watch and that's a lot to get into where we are at the beginning what happened with maya's dad how is he dead that sort of thing so yeah there is a lot that goes in here Here's the thing, though. Another Discord that I'm on, it's just magically they were talking about what was your first issue of comics? And like, what was it like jumping into that? And I feel like this kind of really hits along those same lines. Because a lot of the people were saying, you know, my first issue was the middle of this story arc, the middle of that story arc, like the last issue of this big, important story. And it was a ton of we could tell that there were things previously that had happened. We were told that they had happened, but we weren't necessarily given enough to know what had happened. So if you're watching this, yeah, you don't know who Hawkeye is or Fisk is or Daredevil is, but you know that they're important just because they're being brought into this previously on thing. And I don't care what they're going to call it. That's what I'm going to call it. Cause that's what it is. If you want to go back and see, the everything of why is Hawkeye there? Why does he look like that? Why is Daredevil there? You can go back and watch all those shows, or you can just watch this as 
okay, those are important enough things to where the creative team making the show thought that you should know about it, but not necessarily know everything about it. Just know that it's important. And they brought it up. They'll probably bring it up again later. One of the things that this episode did was it had an in-depth view of the Choctaw Nation. And Lauren, just because you live closest to where the Choctaw Nation is, I'm going to let you start here. Okay, so first off, the episode starts off with a um, a telling of the Choctaw origin myth, which for those who don't know, and I'm really sorry if I miss for any mispronunciations that I do, I meant to look this up before we recorded and blanked out. So there is a uh, a sacred hill in Mississippi called Naniwaya. And according to Choctaw mythology, this is where the Choctaw people originated from. They lived underground, went through a tunnel, saw daylight. There's more to it than that, but that's basically it. And another small thing, you might have noticed there was the recurring visual of a woodpecker throughout the episode. So in Choctaw mythology, there was a great flood and two birds, this one being the Bissinik, which is a woodpecker, specifically a um, small speckled yellow-billed scissor-tail species of woodpecker. They were one of the two species to escape by flying really high, and they became known as a news bird. They were supposed to accompany hunting parties or war parties when they went into the field and indicate when game was near, indicate what direction they should go to find the game, or warn when enemies approach. So it is kind of notable that the woodpecker shows up before kind of bad or notable things happen in this show so far? I suspect we'll be seeing more of that in the future. Chris, this is an interesting origin story that we really get because we get Maya, who now has multiple things of challenges that she has to overcome in just growing up. Instantly, one of the first things I asked Kaylee when they got into the martial arts studio was, how does that work for her? And it wasn't a, you know, how does she do the actions? It was, how do they make that work with other people? But, you know, they can't really make us experience that. What I thought was really cool, though, was that they really forced that deaf experience on us a little bit, like really, really little bit. I want to emphasize that part. But the way that they took the sound out for certain things made us experience the way that Maya was experienced things in a way that you really can't for a lot of other physical attributes people have. This episode was one that you had to actually watch. You have to, and the whole series is like that too. It's not just this episode. You have to actually watch it because you have to see what's going on there, particularly because the main character is deaf and you are immersed in her world Everybody around her is not, but you are immersed in her world and you have to see what she has to deal with. Fortunately, she's mostly around people that she's known for a while that have known how to communicate back and forth with her. So it's not completely 
a foreign trauma, but it is there. And there's the fact that she is an amputee as well, which does not help. I didn't know if she was born that way or she was an amputee. And then in here, we get the point in the accident that she is an amputee. At the point of that accident, then she is thrust out of her nation and has to go to New York City. So she's out of her comfort zone and her support when that happens. That just her growing up, that trauma, Michelle, it just it was apparent in this episode. Yes, she didn't get therapy or a nice, comfortable way to work through. Instead, her childhood trauma turned into rage and then compounded with isolation from loved ones, not only when she was growing up, but then her father dies. And it makes sense that Fisk becomes this safe island. He's her uncle. He's been by her side since she was young. It makes sense that even though he's turning her into an assassin, she feels comfortable with him and he's safe for her. So something interesting in their dynamic, and I think we pointed it out when we were watching the Hawkeye series, but a bit of a recap here. The people who are all close to her in her life have made the effort to learn ASL. Fisk speaks to her exclusively through an interpreter until he's begging for his life, essentially. His manipulation, and this goes on from the previous series as well, is delicious to watch from how well it is portrayed. And it's just flat out infuriating. Like, I can't believe anybody is actually treated like this. And it makes it an interesting story. I would prefer not to be around Fisk at all, but it does make for an interesting story to tell and something to have on the screen. Also, when they moved to New York City, Maya was in with her dad. And they were talking about, are there real dragons? And of course, we know specifically if we are in the Netflix world that there are dragons because of what happened over in Iron Fist, let alone what happened in Chongqi. We know there are dragons, but it is an interesting allegory for these two worlds of Netflix and Disney timeline of coming together. Also, we get a little bit of a sense of where we are specifically with Ronan. We are post-Blit. I don't know exactly where we are free to in that timeline. So we do get a time frame of where this is set. But Michelle, as far as the Netflix, where are we with canon? Well, we see Daredevil played by Charlie Cox. He is in the credits. So it was him. So I suppose the Netflix timeline is canon now. During my first run through of the notes, there was no official confirmation of Foggy and Karen returning. Uh, apparently, in the time span, they have been spotted on set, and we've seen Nelson, you know, and Paige on the sign. So it looks like we are going to get our team of avocados and you know, Karen back. Avocados at law. Yeah, the original storyline for Daredevil was going to be both Karen and Foggy were killed and Matt Murdock was going to be dealing with that. They have scrapped that storyline, obviously. 
and they're moving forward in another direction. I, for one, was enraged by it, and I hoped that they tested that storyline out with other people, and other people were enraged. But as far as Daredevil comes out, we get the fight between Maya and Daredevil in the drug manufacturing place, packaging, whatever that place was. And I've forgotten how much I missed the one camera panning shot. Now, there's obvious parts in there where it's cut and they were able to go to reset and go to a different part of the scene, but it was done deliciously. Like somebody was thrown up against the camera, so the camera went all, all went black. So it looks like it's one shot and the camera doesn't move, but obviously it's a reset. And I'm fine with that, by the way, because you can only choreograph so much. As long as it looks like it's one panning shot, that's great. The, you know, the hallway scene fight, the elevator fight, the triple-decker arrow fight that we got back in, in, in Arrow and st- that we saw in Starling Tribune. All those are great. I've missed that so much from these episodes. I also want to throw in here, too, that they had to change some of the choreography because Maya's actress also has that same amputation and deafness. And, you know, the deafness didn't have anything to do with the choreography change, but she was apparently too good with the fight scenes and was hurting people with her metal leg. I was noticing that. I loved, I loved, loved, loved. There's a part where Daredevil kicks her in the leg and she has like no reaction. And at first my brain was like, wait a minute. And then I'm remembering, oh, right. That's her prosthetic leg. I was thinking that Murdoch actually had an advantage in this fight because he had those two batons like he always uses, right? His weapons. And I think he did. Maya used her leg to her advantage when she could, but I think she held her own against Murdoch, even given the disadvantage of him having those. And she only just had the leg, which she also had to use as, you know, you have to stand on it as well as fight on it. So I think she did great in that fight. And, uh, Fist said afterwards, you did the best out of all my men. Yeah, you, you did good. And I think she did. Maybe coming at it from the wrong angle, but I think she did good. And talking about that, Michelle, she's thinking she can move in. Yeah, at the end, she's just like, it's time for a queen. But then we get this after scene and we hear this beep, beep, beep. And Maybe we're not going to get a queen. Someone is still alive. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see that in the future. You know, Fisk is too good of a character to to kill off here. So, Chris, how would you characterize Maya at this point? I have no idea. I can't tell if she's supposed to be a good guy a bad guy if this is a hero revenge story because she realizes that she's been bad all along but not because she wanted to be and she wants to be good or if she is bad but her anti-fisk stance just happens to align with other people's anti-fisk stance and this is one reason why i am just really hooked with the show lauren another reason that we in particular should be hooked with the show is we have a callback we do sort of so a lot of the actors in this show are very familiar because hollywood ever seems to use the same five native actors over 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 again but one familiar face was the guy at the bowling alley who was being kind of a jerk to maya 
and then texted, hey, got eyes on this person you're looking for. Is the bounty still available? So if this guy looked familiar, we might recognize him as Nathaniel Malik from the last bit of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And a bit of continuity, he is a D-bag as both characters. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it actually is Nathaniel Malik, but I think was, his character's name was not Henry. Vicky, Vicky, according to IMDb. Vicky, yeah. Victor, Vicky. So not Malik, but Vicky. And then Maya actually shows up at the bowling alley, and one of the things that she asks from Henry is somebody to patch her up. So let's talk about one of our favorite subjects here is TV medicine. Okay, so we see, first of all, the injury that Maya is at first stitching up herself and then getting the mortician to stitch up. I would have thought that would have been like a knife wound. She confirms it's a bullet wound. I guess it could be a graze from the look of it, because that does not look like. Thankfully, I have not seen gunshot wounds, fresh ones in real life. But I do follow a lot of medical communities where people share various injuries and ways that people have been patched up and things like that. Entrance wounds for gunshots tend to be very small. The exit wounds are the big kicker there. So that looked, you know, not completely realistic from my very limited What about dental floss experience. as a uh, stitch? Actually, I have heard of people using that in a pinch on account of it tends to be waxed. And therefore, you will get slightly less contamination. You should still use sterile equipment whenever possible, of course. She's also stitching it up without the benefit of any like lidocaine or anything. So she's feeling all of the stitches. So that's that sucks. Yeah. First of all, you'd want to use peppermint scented dental floss because you'd want the wound to smell good. Second of all, I'm pretty sure that house was exactly the same as she left it all those years ago. So anything that she's using as a needle would probably be a little bit rusty. That's just what I'm thinking. So, yeah. And then I just have one last hashtag in here, skate life. <laughs> because they're at a roller rink in the middle of Oklahoma. All right. One last question for everybody. Was this a better premiere than all the Netflix series that we've watched for this show or not? Just as good? We'll start with Chris. I don't know. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around this because this one had a lot more recap in it. And I think that really hurts its chances of being the best, but also it was really good. And I mean, you know, iron fist exists, so it can't be the worst. Lauren, what'd you think? Pretty much the same thing. I still think Daredevil had the strongest first episode of any of the Netflix shows. Even if you include the Disney Plus shows, I still think it's the first episode is there at the top. But again, we live in a world where Secret Invasion and Iron Fist exist. Not to mention the Inhumans. Michelle, yeah. what do you think? I would place it below Daredevil and Jessica Jones. 
and WandaVision. I think I would just put it, I would put it in, in there. I'm not sure where I would put it. I know I would put it just off the top, the top third. It was a, a really good captivating premiere. Uh, a lot better. I had really low expectations of it, as I think a lot of people did, and it surprised me. So along those lines, let's get into last thoughts, uh, Michelle. I had low expectations as well. This episode met them and a bit more. Lauren. I tried to walk in with no expectations because you can't be disappointed that way. So very much exceeded those expectations. I am in the middle of watching a show called Dark Winds, which takes place on a reservation. So a lot of the actors are very familiar between that and reservation dogs and this. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what other familiar faces show up and seeing what happens. I am really going to regret my decision to only watch the one episode at a time, aren't I? But I'm going to stick with it because this is my pain and I chose to bring it upon myself. As I said before, the premiere episode meant so much more after I made it to the final and I was actually able to piece some things together at the beginning that I didn't have a full grasp on. So if there's one thing wrong with this premiere episode, I will say not everything is set up properly that you have to take it from context from episodes that you see later. And as far as this episode, I legitimately was half expecting Raylan Givens to show up from Justified just because of the, of the setting and the, the realness of it. Uh, I think this is the first Netflix Defender series. I'll call it a Defender series that I had watched close to opening weekend. I think the rest of them, I might've watched an episode or two, but I didn't check out the whole thing. So they did dump all five episodes at once. You did have your choice. I think it would have been better for them to do it on a week by week basis after watching the whole thing, just because each episode, there's a lot to talk about, which is why we're taking this one episode at a time. Second watch is worth it. So even if you're just watching it for the first time all the way through with us, go ahead, do that, and then go watch it again. You'll pick so much more up. Next episode, we'll be talking about the second episode of Echo, and we will be marching towards the end at the finale with our 500th episode. So with that, I will say, catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. You want to go roller skating, don't you, Chris? I don't have a dinosaur, though. Am I allowed? <laughs> Stop. Go. Collaborate and listen. <laughs> I suspect with the bread. Oh, that dates me. Oh, that dates me so <laughs> much. Thank you for listening. The intro music heard on this podcast is Great Marvels of the World by Lynn Publishing, found on Pond5.com. The outro music heard on this podcast is Cinematic Trailer by Ed Records, found on AudioJungle.net. Other transitional music on this podcast is found on Incompetech.com, AudioJungle.net, and Pond5.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit LegendsOfShield.com. Excelsior!
have fun watching the second episode. <laughs> yeah. I have to wait till Friday. Oh. <laughs> well, you can rewatch the first episode a couple of times then. Okay. <laughs> also, if you happen to have Apple TV Plus, Masters of the Air is now available. Hmm. I do not. Mm. So think Band of Brothers in the air. Oh, nice. I believe Tom Hanks actually produced it, too. So Ooh. you have the same production team from Band of Brothers in there. Hmm. Sold. You have to get Apple TV Plus, though. I'm sure I can find a way. I think it's only $6.99 a month still. Yeah, we're planning to get it for a while later this year. Watch a bunch of stuff that's on there. Foundation, Ted Lasso, For All Mankind. And this, Masters of the Air. Prehistoric Planet is one that I really, really, really want to watch. I have not seen that. Yeah, it's basically the new walking with dinosaurs, but with current contemporary (laughs) scientific knowledge (laughs) and technology, making it look all pretty. I follow some people who were um, concept artists for the show. Nice. There's one guy who grew up, I believe, in North Dakota that is responsible for finding like 95% of the species out there through, you know, um, skeletons and stuff like that out in North North Dakota. Watched an episode with him on Nova, I think. Is it, um, oh, what's his name? Barnum or something? I think that's yeah. ringing a bell. I can't remember his name specifically, but he I know he was there. named after P.T. Barnum. Oh, okay. There's a, um, what was I, I was listening to a podcast or something about him. I think the dollop. I found this because National Geographic is also available on Disney Plus and I needed something to watch after. I thought the real bug's life is going to be cute. It's kind of not. Because it's, it's, yeah, those are bugs I didn't want to see. So for some reason, I ended up finding this docuseries. I don't know if I'm going to finish it or not, but I'm fascinated by it. It's about people who live in Alaska. And I mean, they live near the Arctic Circle. That show looked really cool. And it does. And there are these people who, there's this woman who lives at the top, like northernmost part of alaska and she's just like i understand why they they have guns for the reasons why my grandfather you know like you you hunt and you learn about them and you know about gun safety and all that type of stuff so for me them having guns and stuff that makes sense she talks about carrying a gun now because she got attacked by a bear and (laughs) It's like there they talk about like, yeah, here you're part of the food chain. It's like they're um uh it's hardcore. Yeah, and I okay, I, I need to watch that. I think I need to watch I think I need to finish it too, because I'm like fascinated by that one woman who I hope she makes it home and then when she makes it home, I hope there's not a bear. Cause she had to be away for a while because of her ankle. She had to have surgery, so she's just so she had to be in Fairbanks, which they did an overshot of Fairbanks, which I think is like a, almost just a little bit bigger than Farmersburg. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's not that big. And she's just like, I got to get out of this city. The city is just like, oh. And I'm like, look at the city. And it's like, it's half the size of Terre Haute. It's, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's. I went to Alaska a couple years ago. And like, even the the big cities there were like tiny. And they were like, okay, so we were in Skagway. They're like, the nearest town technically is like five miles away but there's no direct road so you have to go through this mountain and it's like a three-hour drive and it's just it's wild by the way the book the guy's name is barnum brown and i read about him in a book not a podcast it's called the monster's bones and it's about that mostly the discovery of the t-rex oh okay yeah it's really good Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2024.